understanding the social cultural dynamics is so so important. If you don't, you can know India, but it's it's difficult to kind of understand India. Welcome to the Rain Insights podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. Businesses looking to expand their markets and their manufacturing base in other countries might consider India as an option. India has a large and educated middle class, an open market economy, and a huge workforce. But it's also one of the most populous and diverse countries in the world, with ancient social customs and thousands of languages. In this podcast, Rain's Director of Safety and Security, Brian Lynch, speaks to Varun Kare Parambal, CEO of Grid91, a risk management company in Mumbai, India. So, Varun, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Brian. We will be discussing today firms that plan on or already have establishments in India from a business perspective and wanted to provide a little bit more information, a little more context to conducting business in India related to safety, security, geopolitical concerns to help businesses in that region of the world. Having been part of a firm that conducted business in India, it's critically important to conduct the research to ensure that we understood the culture and were able to uh, navigate that culture uh, seamlessly. So today, uh, Varen, uh, would like to talk a little bit in generalities and then we'll get into some detail. Uh, so what's the general business climate in India today? Right. So, uh, that's that's a hot question, right? I mean, that's a question which uh, every every um, uh, I would say business leader loves to kind of pop across um, if they have a business in India or if they kind of look in towards India, uh, and and I would say that especially um, pre-COVID, um, it was looking pretty promising. Uh, COVID has undoubtedly had a massive impact on India. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, there are challenges. There are massive challenges. But having said that, uh, you know, interestingly, uh, in 2020, India received a, a foreign direct investment of about, I think, um, more than $80 billion, which, which has been pretty handsome. I think it's the fifth um, most impressive. And uh, you do have uh, international companies that are looking um, positively towards India. Uh, there's also been a recent report which, which, which uh, talks about uh, India increasing its, uh, its, its manufacturing capabilities. And, uh, and, and it also kind of indicates that uh, it's um, surpassed the United States, um, you know, getting get to the number two spot, which, which, um, which is pretty impressive. Uh, what remains to be seen is whether India can sustain out over there. So the business environment, I think, practically is, uh, or honestly speaking at the moment, is there are challenges. But uh, being the second most populous country, uh, the opportunities are massive. Um, probably having uh, one of the biggest middle class populations in the world, it's very exciting. Having um, the biggest youth population, it's it's very exciting. And having a government in place, which which really doesn't have a, a, a massive challenge from the opposition. Uh, there are a number of uh, things which uh, they're able to roll out, which, uh, which can open up a bunch of opportunities. 
So promising, yet uh, there are a number of risks which uh, I'll be happy to talk about. Yeah, sounds good, Varen. And I, I think you rightly pointed out about why India is so important in the business uh, community. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about challenges, whether I'm a firm that is thinking about entering that business space or one that wants to expand an existing footprint in, in your country. Uh, what would be considered the, the key challenges from both a business perspective, but also an employee expat perspective as well? Right. Great question, Brian. I think let me answer that in two parts. One is from a business perspective. From a business perspective, of course, you've got uh, a number of risks, but I do want to dive down into a couple uh, to be very specific. Um, I, I like to say that India is sort of a country of countries. And, and the reason I say that is because we're looking at about a country which is 28 states and eight odd union territories, um, 22 official languages and uh, 121, um, you know, unofficial languages, if you will. And, and when you go from one state to another, uh, things change completely. Absolutely. Even for someone who's an Indian citizen, and I'll give you my example. Uh, recently, I was I'm based out of uh, Mumbai, Maharashtra. But uh, I was in um, a state called Tamil Nadu for a period of about 43 days working on a certain project. Um, and I speak about uh, um, three Indian languages and I couldn't speak the language uh, in, in Tamil Nadu. So me being an Indian citizen, it was quite challenging for me to get things done. But of course, uh, you know, if you know how to get things done, then it's, it's pretty pretty easy that way. Um, so one can imagine that if one has to be an expat living in India, what are the sort of challenges that can be expected? But uh, there are two major risks um, that uh, I have come across in, in my years of kind of supporting in the last 14 years that I've been supporting companies over here uh, is political and social cultural risks, right? These two I would say, are so deeply um, interconnected that um, these are the two uh, which, which a lot of companies either fail to assess properly, either they kind of um, overestimate it or they probably underestimate it, right? And uh, if you're being overcautious, uh, that's a problem. If, you, if you're being not cautious at all, then that's a massive challenge for you. The political and the social cultural risks are something which uh, most multinational corporations are something um, which which they need to pay close attention to, because again that changes from one state to another, right? And and I can touch upon some case studies um, which might just make it interesting and put things in context. But again, uh, coming to the second part of your question, we're talking about employees. Of course, if you're talking specifically about expats then understanding the socio-cultural dynamics is so, so important. Um, if you don't, you know, you could have traveled the world. And I love to say that you can know India, but it's it's difficult to kind of understand India. So so um, it's, it's really, really important to kind of dive into the socio-cultural nitty-gritties uh, if you're going to be living in India as an expat. And... Uh, really understand the hyper-local risks um, which, which you might be exposed to. 
and that varies again you know come i come back to the same point it varies from one state to another it varies from one city to another and it changes uh, the more you can invest time in understanding those um uh, your time out in india would be would be better i would say but again uh, you would never be able to understand enough so that's the reason it's really important for you to have uh, around you the right locals as advisors you know who can kind of take you through trouble waters if if that time comes through if, if that makes sense brian it, it certainly does varen and and excellent points I'd, I'd like to go a little bit deeper if i can on the expat comment that you made which i which i think is is right on target which is knowing india and understanding india are two different things if i'm going to be going into the india market and i'm going to be bringing a family what what is that number one item that i need to to uh cross that would make me understand uh india maybe in my orientation meetings or what i can do prior to arrival hmm really really um good one brian and uh, i don't know if i can think about what is that one um point which you can cross but uh, i can certainly tell you this that if you come into india as an expat with your family uh one of the most important things in your uh the awareness briefing that you receive i would say is if i was the expat i would say tell me everything that could potentially go wrong where i am not in india let's say i was coming to mumbai i would say not in india not in maharashtra but in mumbai and if in mumbai i'm going to be residing in um let's say pawai which is a very popular location for a number of expats uh executives uh i would say tell me what are the things which can go wrong out over here what is it that i need to watch out for and then you can tell me about all the nice things right but tell me first most importantly everything that can go wrong for me out over here and then let's take the discussion forward from there yeah it makes perfect sense and and, and certainly is a great approach uh let, let me go back to uh, on the business perspective side you mentioned the two risks that were really front and center the the political and the cultural can you can yeah. you give an example of of both where um if i'm a firm and i'm and i'm currently let's say in one state i want to expand in, in a couple of other states similar to what uh the firm uh did when i was uh in, in that position um prior to joining rain um what what is it that the firms from a strategic perspective need to really understand so let me touch upon um two examples and two uh from two different states right example number 1 uh is um from a state called karnataka and uh to be precise uh, bangalore now bangalore happens to be uh india's uh, so called silicon valley um and uh, uh the indian prime minister has been pushing um on the make in india and manufacture in india uh, agenda pretty strongly uh prior to covid and even more so you know during covid and that's only going to increase even more so um when when covid hit and uh, you know the world uh we're looking for options to kind of uh 
not pivot away from China, but have a China plus one strategy. India definitely figured on that. And uh, one of the companies which kind of looked towards India was was Foxconn, which is one of the major manufacturers of iPhones and, you know, um, iPads, basically Apple's um, manufacturer. And uh, so is Wistron. So Wistron uh, set up a, a unit in, in Bangalore. And... Um, and essentially, in, um, in, in 2020, there was an incident out over there, which was pretty nasty, um, where um, there was unrest amongst uh, the workers. And the unrest was uh, because uh, of unpaid wages, right? Now, unpaid wages, one would imagine that, let's say, if you um, took the United States as an example, then it would probably end up being a legal battle or, you know, you might end up uh, approaching the unions or whatever. But uh, in this factory of 2,000 employees, what happened is, um, you know, the, the unrest went to such a level that uh, riots broke out. The entire factory was vandalized, right? And um, there, were, there was looting. Um, iPhones were looted. iPads were looted. Laptops were looted. All of that happened. And, uh, and the factory had to shut down. Um, Apple had to kind of run an investigation into Wistron's operation and uh, and check if um, if they were complying with um, you know their payment norms and Wistron is is a Taiwanese company, um, so um, the factory was shut for I think a good three to four months. The losses which were estimated were about um, uh, I think seven million plus, and uh, and and did it disrupt the supply chain? Um, the answer is yes. How badly? We don't know because, you know, uh, you've got multiple um, uh, factories or units on which Apple can rely. Uh, but the point here is that uh, it clearly indicated uh, one thing, that surely someone has had intelligence failure. I mean, you know, there's been intelligence failure on someone's part. If there's been something that's brewing, uh, then that should have been picked up. I mean, this is not something which happens overnight. And that is where... You know, I talk about the sociocultural aspect because it's not your simple employee unrest situation. This is a situation where um, probably the risk management teams or the leadership has failed to understand uh, how bad the scenario could turn around to be. Uh, what could be the level of escalation? Who could be your threat actors? And, uh, you know, a number of uh, areas uh, which indicate failure, a number of red flags which have been missed, right? And uh, and that's what I tell companies um, when they kind of come into India that, okay, are you aware of where you're going to be recruiting from? Where, where are your employees coming from? Majority of your employee population, what level um, are they working at, right? Um, because if you have the so-called blue-collar um, workers, in India, it's very common that the blue-collar workers, um, someone would definitely be tied up with um, some local political party. And for the political parties, it's always an opportunity to kind of leverage and lap up uh, these sort of issues because it gives you mileage, right? And uh, these are all also extortion opportunities. But in case of Western you can clearly see that there were a number of gaps, which ideally you and me as risk management professionals would say that how come those were missed, right? So I would say intelligence report, 
understanding clearly what are the scenarios that you can be exposed to, where the employee population is coming from, are there political affiliations, you know, have you done the background checks properly, uh, what kind of culture do you try? Uh, do you intend to sort of uh, create within this, 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 this unit or your facility? Are you trying to kind of copy paste a certain formula because it may not work? What works in Taiwan may not work in this particular um, city. What works in the United States may not work over here. So on and so forth. So um, these points are so so critical, Brian. Varun, that was a uh, great uh, example and and one that I think. Will, will resonate with our listeners. Uh, and you mentioned the intelligence program. It's so critically important yeah. to understand where the threat and risk vectors are uh, within a culture, right, and within an area. So it's, uh, you know, I think the point that we want to make is, yes, there's a, a cultural difference. Um, yes, there are certain challenges. Yes, there are items and areas that you need to be aware of. But it really comes down to, again, do you have the programs in place, the intelligence capabilities in place to understand what that threat vector might be in a particular area, whether you're in whatever of the 28 states that you mentioned that that you're in in India, just knowing that locality as best as you can and getting to understand the cultural norms, uh, et cetera. Absolutely. And if I may, Brian, I'd love to highlight another example, uh, if that's okay. Absolutely. Right. So this example is, you know, one of the world's most popular brands, Amazon, right? And Amazon, um, for Amazon India, is a massive opportunity. Um, now, last year uh, at, at in Maharashtra, now this comes from Maharashtra, uh, where the language is Marathi, right? And uh, one of the uh, regional political parties picked up an issue with Amazon. And what they said is, hey, you know what? Your app, um, it's basically got, um, you know, different versions, different languages, different Indian languages. How come you operate in Maharashtra and you don't have Marathi uh, as, as one of the versions on the app, right? And uh, I really don't know how was Amazon's initial response, or probably it was a, it was slightly um, uh, on the lighter side. But this regional political party is known to be pretty aggressive, aggressive to the extent that, you know, uh, it's it's a political party called MNS or Maharashtra Navnirman Sena. And uh, it is uh, aggressive to the extent that, you know, it's had a history of assaulting um, employees, senior executives, threatening them, so on and so forth, and all of that, because the party workers really do not um, care if there's going to be criminal action that's taken on them. They, in fact, take pride on the fact that, you know, they've, they've kind of, um, you know, they're the sons of the soil, uh, as we like to call it, and they're standing up for, you know, uh, what what means much to them. And... Uh, what started out as um, as sort of um, uh, an issue requesting Amazon to look into the uh, matter quickly kind of boiled into a situation where they felt that Amazon was completely ignoring uh, what what um, MNS had to say about Marathi not being available as one of the languages on the app. 
And uh, soon enough, um, uh, I think a couple of their warehouses were vandalized, um, employees assaulted, so on and so forth, and all of that. I think there was a public letter which was uh, written to uh, Jeff Bezos, right? And uh, and and uh, and of course uh, there was criminal action um, which which uh, was initiated against uh, MNS. But that's not something that's that's going to put them on 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 the back foot. I mean, it is something that they take pride in. Uh, the key thing is that, you know, for those number of days, Amazon was in the news. Uh, they, um, the, the political party, got the sort of attention that they wanted. Uh, they were able to intimidate uh, employees on ground and, and put in enough um, uh, fear uh, that, hey, if, if you're not going to be towing our line or you're not going to be meeting our demands, then you see what can happen, right? So... Coming from a different state, started as a language issue, you see where this can go. Yeah, that's another great example, Vern. And, and if you look at it, it's understanding that particular state and not having that language on your website uh, of Marathi was probably viewed by Amazon as maybe not a big deal. Um, but again, it comes back to understanding the cultural ramifications of that within that state. You know, there's the old saying, uh, all, all politics is local, right? And understanding yeah. that local, cultural, political uh, sensitivity and in, in entanglement, if I can use that word, between business, the worker, and the culture is critically important. 100%. Let's, let's talk a little bit about if I'm a firm and, uh, and I really haven't dug deep into these issues at the current moment, and I'm listening to this, and I'm like, okay, I have to really do something now. I have to figure out what's coming around the corner that I'm not aware of, right? We always want to be aware of the known knowns. Uh, and uh, what would be one of the first steps if I'm in country and I haven't really uh, undertaken the steps that I need to as a firm to really understand where I am and, and get involved in in that uh, process that we talked about, which is business, culture, language, uh, uh, types of, uh, of areas for each one of these uh, communities I might be in. What would be one of the first steps that I should do if I'm sitting in one of those states today? A couple of things, right? Um, so when we're looking at, um, I would say, um, the risk management and security culture within India. It's come a long way, right? But it's its nothing compared to where you are, Brian, in the United States, right? Uh, security leaders um, mostly do not have a seat at the executive table. I mean, um, most of them wouldn't be able to, uh, I'm talking about CSOs and, um, you know, intelligence managers or whatever, they wouldn't necessarily, most of them wouldn't necessarily have access to uh, the CEO or um, the CEO for that matter, right? Um, so uh, what needs to happen is uh, the leadership, one, what they need to do is, you know, look within um, their circle, the business circle, because the business circle, by the way, in India is very well connected. And many a times what also happens is uh, that, you know, because business leaders in India um, are, are well connected, 
there's also kind of um, a degree of carelessness or callous approach uh, towards risk management because it's like, you know, come what may, we'll deal with it, right? So proactively, what needs to happen is that within the business circle and the business leader circle, you need to do a check to understand um, what's the environment like, you know, what's happening, uh, so on and so forth and all of that. Because having discussions within the business leadership circle only makes you smarter. You will always, always get to know things which you didn't know about. Secondly, what I talked to you about, uh, you know, the security leadership, right? It's it, because it doesn't have a seat at, you know, most times at the executive table, uh, you're receiving information which at times is secondhand, right? So what needs to kind of happen is that, you know, reach out to um, the security leadership and, and or create an environment where, you, uh, where the security leadership has an opportunity to brief you about the nitty-gritties and educate you about the nitty-gritties um, you know, be more open about it, right? And uh, and that's where I think uh, the change will start to happen. You be fed with more, um, uh, I would say, valuable information where you can pick up on the red flags and then start acting on it before it's too late. Otherwise, you'll have to firefight. So I think a couple of these things would be important. Yeah, Vern, I think that's excellent advice. And it really comes down to that partnership again, between the business leadership and the security and risk leadership to ensure that, as I like to say, you stay off the front page of the local newspaper for all the wrong reasons. And it, it does take a holistic approach, uh, no matter where you are in the world, but in particular uh, in India. And um, to close out our, our podcast today, um, Varen, you know, with your vast experience in, 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 in working with not only uh, Indian companies, but also uh, foreign uh, investments, uh, if you had to uh, identify one area that you would say is what you see a lot of wherein uh, mistakes are made or, boy, I wish they would, have, would not have done that or made that decision, is there, is there one particular item that pops up to you that uh, that would cause companies that you have seen companies have uh, been making the, the bad uh, either decisions or or a game planning problem uh, when they arrive. What, what's that one thing if you have if, if that makes sense? That's a great question, Brian. It's a supremely great question. So I think you know in in. In all the years of experience that I've had where things have gone wrong, let me just put it that way. I think one of the things which I've noticed is that, you know, it's it's the most simple thing. It is, you know, the due diligence exercise which which one does before getting into the country, right? Before starting to make your investments, before starting to make your critical decisions, right? You need to get that absolutely spot on. Right. Absolutely spot on, because many a times, you know, I would say most times when I've been in um, crisis support projects or crisis management projects, being like, how come you missed out on that? Wasn't that obvious that, you know, this was supposed to be an issue? So I think, you know, when you're doing your due diligence, make sure that you kind of take in all the boxes properly don't be, uh, I would say, just 
relying on what the India management with whom you're going to be collaborating is going to be saying because you have to keep your eyes open to multiple sources, right? Because many a times uh, your India management or your India directors uh, would be kind of your single point of contact and um, you would receive inputs from there, right? And I see companies making this mistake where they haven't checked all the sources. They haven't checked all the boxes when it comes to doing their due diligence. So I think just getting a thorough due diligence, which is where the intelligence program comes in again, and I keep harping on the intelligence program because, you know, it can give you the most amount of information that you need uh, that can proactively, you know, protect you. I I think that's something that I would look at uh, when I'm kind of entering India or if I'm looking at expanding in India and at a hyper-local level. That's a great point, Varen, and very sage advice. Just to summarize, in in the points that you have made today, which I think are critical, uh, it's about understanding India uh, state by state, cultural and political issues need to be addressed and part of that equation. The local political party and influence with the business uh, needs to be identified Language needs to be sensitized relative to understanding that culture, that local culture. And business leaders, as you know, it can assist during this process. The local business leadership that has their uh, thumb on the rail, if you will, on what's happening locally. And it's always local politics that matter. Varen, I really appreciate the time today. Excellent points. I'm sure the listeners are going to pick up some ideas about how to either enter the India market or make it better if they're there. Uh, Brian, beautifully summarized. And, um, you know, thank you ever so much for having me. Thank you ever so much for the opportunity to talk to you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Varun Kare Parambal is CEO of Grid91, a risk management company in Mumbai, India. Rain is a risk intelligence company that provides access to critical insights, analysis, and support to ensure business continuity and resiliency for our members. Learn more about how Rain helps businesses prepare for and mitigate risk at rainnetwork.com. That's R A N E network.com. <laughs>